This episode of the Pain Game Podcast is sponsored by Surfshark. Surfshark is a VPN that lets you stay secure online and be anywhere in the world. I can hear your thoughts already. I am a psychic and you are saying... Why would I want to be anywhere in the world, Jory? You can watch cool shit. You want to change the coverage of the Anthony Joshua fight? How about you watch the American commentary? Easily done, thanks to Surfshark. Sick of UK and Netflix? Hop onto the Australian one. Why not? See what's going on down under. That's what they say for Australia. Not It's not a porn site or anything. Surfshark also keeps your online identity safe by encrypting all of the information sent by your device to the internet. This keeps your personal info safe and protected from big companies and people on the internet. The dark web and that, you know. God knows what that's going on over there right now. They're probably using their VPN as well, to be fair. That's why you should too. If you want to protect yourself, make sure you click the link in the description below and you, using our code, Jordy, can get 83% off and three months free extra. Surfshark also has a 30-day money-back guarantee, so it costs you nothing to try it out. And where Surfshark blows the competition away is it allows you to use one account on unlimited devices. So if you're interested, you know what to do. The link's in the description below, but for now, enjoy the podcast. At one time, I was homeless. Instead of going home every night, there was no home to go to. Life at home was very difficult. I grew up being abused. I lost my belt. I lost respect. I embarrassed my family. My vision was pretty much non-existent. I was able to just about scrape by the medicals. I come out, I have supreme confidence, but I'm scared to death. And I'm afraid of everything. I didn't care about living, I just wanted to die. I got up and I felt the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders. I knew I was going to make a comeback. Fighting, this was designed for me. This is what makes us who we are. I'm the best! Who the I'm so far ahead of this game. My dream, my vision for myself is to be the greatest martial artist to ever live. I have always been a fighter. There's nothing I do better in this life than fighting. There ain't never been a man that could better me. I was born to do this. Nobody can get close. I'm the best fighter in the world. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion that's ever been. Welcome back to the Pain Game Podcast. Uh, this is episode three, and I am joined by the guy who I always answer when someone says to me, who's the nicest person you've ever interviewed? Tony <laughs> Bellew. And it is a surprising really? answer to a lot of people, uh, but uh, when I last met you, super polite, despite being in uh, the run-up to David Hay 2, mm. and you promised me that day, you said, I'm telling you now, mate, it's going to go down even quicker. I'm going to finish him even easier. He's going to be trying to swing for the fences. He's going to try and kill us. And because of that, I'm going to end it a lot quicker. And you delivered. So uh, <laughs> thanks for coming back on the podcast, mate. An absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you for having me here. First and foremost, yeah, thankfully that, that one went the way I predicted. It mm-hmm. didn't all go the way I predicted, but uh, <laughs> thankfully, mate, that one did. So yeah, it was uh, good times. And as I say, the two of us look completely different since the last time we've done this podcast, mate. You look tremendous, so well done. Uh, <laughs> do you know, it's funny. Um, I remember I interviewed you in that little uh, that little hotel that you were staying in. Mm. And uh, I went back to London. And with all due respect to the hotel, it wasn't the nicest hotel. It certainly wasn't, uh, you know, world champion staying in the, you know, best hotel in the world type thing. You were just getting the work in, you know, and it was, it very much suited you. And ironically, I went to 
Um, no offense or anything. I just mean, you know, you're a, you're a humble guy. Um, and then I went back to London and I just so happened to be, be myself. I was getting put in a, a hotel okay. and in walks David fucking Hay. Wow. Uh, and it was a really posh hotel and he's in it getting his fucking lovely breakfast in and top yeah. floor. It was a complete opposite hotel, you know? <laughs> so I was like, as it happened, David had uh, blocked me on Twitter. So I was kind of hoping he hadn't, uh, <laughs> he didn't recognize us. So I was like, fucking hell, he's big in real life. Like, isn't he? Uh, <laughs> but mate, it's, it's great to have you on. You've been with Anthony Joshua all day. He's about to take on a guy who you fought before. What was it like spending this time with him today? I've known AJ for a long time. I've known AJ since before he turned pro. <clears throat> uh, very similar to myself. People call me humble and stuff like that. And, and I don't really take it on board. But, you know, I'm just a normal person. I'm the exact same as everyone else out there. What I do or what I've done doesn't define who I am. I've punched people in the face for 20 years. It doesn't make, shouldn't make me feel like I'm better than anyone or worse than anyone. And he's very much the same as me. So all day we just bounce off each other. He's great company. Uh, he's cool, calm, relaxed. He's in unbelievable shape. <clears throat> I've just watched him go through 12 rounds of sparring with three different sparring partners, all trying to take his head off. And he's just phenomenal, mate. He's, he's an exceptional athlete and, and such a prized asset to the heavyweight division. He is literally a walking commodity. He's a walking market, a walking growing business. Mm-hmm. He's got so much going on, <clears throat> but... He continues to thrive, continues to push himself daily and just grow as a fighter. And, and that is the only thing you can ask for someone like him. Well, speaking from experience, I mean, obviously I'm just a YouTuber, but I know what it's like to have loads of different things going on at one time mm. and and then try and maintain your fitness. So God only knows how you maintain being the champion of the world. Uh, what do you think makes him able to, to balance all that and spin all those plates? <laughs> Uh, he has a lot of staff <clears throat> on board uh, and they've all got jobs to do. Uh, his, his boys that he's had from the very start, KD and Benga and Skins, they've been there from, from day one. Uh, but he's slowly but surely added to the squad. He's got a manager in Freddie Cunningham who's very, very switched on. He's very good and articulate. <clears throat> Fortunately for him, he's always had the best promoter in the game in Eddie N. Someone who's honest, has got his best interest at heart, and someone who makes the best decisions for him early on in his career. When when a promoter can throw you to the wolves and and make the wrong fights at the wrong times and, and think about only earning from you, that wasn't the the, the position he was in with Eddie N. Eddie N looked after him from day dot, <clears throat> and uh, all them things in place have allowed him to grow, to allow his team to grow, but also allow him to maintain. The, the thoughts and the and the basis of focusing on training. That's the most important thing. He can't ever divert to anything else. Yes, we know he's a big businessman. We know his marketability is at a sky-high level. But ultimately, mate, no one cares about that if he loses in a boxing ring. He's got to keep winning. He's got to keep shining. He's got to keep improving. And he's doing that all the time. And it's the team that's around him and the good people that are with him that allow him to keep growing and, and as I say, to keep improving in their business. I noticed that... Um He's added to his coaching. Uh, there's a guy called Angel who started working with him. And it was an interesting thing to see how that would work out because obviously uh, he's had the same trainer since the Olympic days. And then, you know, there's the there's the danger or the worry of too many uh, chefs spoil the broth, so to speak. Yeah. Like, how, how do you think that works? Uh, what happens is there's one boss. And there's one voice that, that he listens to in between rounds, in between sparring, and that's Robert McCracken. Robert McCracken is AJ's boxing coach. It's as simple as that. Okay. There's other guys in there that help 
and take the burden off all of Robert because Robert's got such a busy schedule. He's the head coach of the GB boxing uh, team. <clears throat> He's got so many fighters who want him to coach him. Robert McCracken is one of the best coaches this country's ever produced. There's nothing he doesn't know about boxing. People also forget that he was a brilliant fighter himself, a fantastic middleweight. But the only reason he didn't become world champion was because he was a very unfortunate fighter who outgrew the weight. And that's the only reason he didn't win a world title. He fought a guy called Keith Holmes, if I remember correctly. A brilliant, technically good southpaw. And and Robert just couldn't put it on him for three minutes around. That's the only reason he didn't win a world title. <clears throat> and then obviously fades away. But as a coach, he's brilliant. Got Carl Frotch from scratch. Built him up. And when you look at Carl Frotch's actual skill set and his resume, it, it's the craziest resume you'll ever see. He's got one of the... You know what? <clears throat> I'd actually... I could put my hand on it and say Carl Fletcher's got the greatest resume of any British fighter ever. He's fought everyone and anyone. Okay, yes, he's got a couple of losses there, but he's fought and beat so many brilliant fighters from different weight categories, from unified champions to... Mate, he's done it all. He's literally he's fought everyone and anyone. Now, he was guided under Robert McCracken. It was Robert McCracken who made Carl Frotch no other coach. So, <clears throat> that's that's overlooked by an awful lot. And then add on to that, he's created AJ from scratch. He got AJ as a, as a very novice amateur boxer. He's turned him into a phenomenal athlete, a boxer who's improving with every fight. And someone makes his unified heavyweight champion of the world. You only realise how good a coach is when... When they, they've got to the top and they start unifying belts, he's making the fighters from scratch, and that's the hardest thing to do. It's easy to get a world champion in the gym, and, and not it's not easy to give him slight improvements and adjust his game, but it's, you know, when you've got a world-class athlete, but finding a raw novice and turning him into the heavyweight unified champion of the world is some feat, mate. And an Olympic gold medalist as well, that's not to be shied away from. So it's brilliant. You know, I love being around Rob McCracken as today. Uh, a good chat with him. <clears throat> and it all looks well made for the Usyk fight, but they're not overlooking him. This is this is not what everyone's saying. This is the, just there, there was fight. the worry of that though, because with with Rob <clears throat> being out of there and people are saying, oh, he's they're sending videos to Rob, and naturally people are always going to worry for AJ. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're you're very confident that that isn't isn't a major issue here. Every bit of the training and the aspects of how he trains and how he spars and everything he does is run through Robert McCracken. Mm -hmm. Robert McCracken is is the boss in the gym. There's no two ways about it. <clears throat> AJ is a diligent student. If anything, I personally think he works too hard. I think he he he's, he's such a hard working lad. He's constantly, constantly on the grind when it comes to training. Mm -hmm. It's not coincidence. It's no coincidence that he's the best athlete athlete as a heavyweight I've ever seen. And I mean, ever in boxing. He's yeah. the most athletic heavyweight champion of all time. I will guarantee you, if you put this boy on a track, he's going to smoke anyone. You get him lifting weights, he's going to probably beat them on that. Uh, the probably boy probably jumps to high jump and probably breaks world records. <laughs> There's not any guard do yeah. from an athletic perspective. Yes, his boxing IQ needs working on it, and he's, he's growing. With every fight, he's getting better. People like to jump on him and go, oh, well, he got hit this fight, he got tired in that fight. He's still learning on the game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's it's a testament to him how much he's achieved and how quickly he's done it. That's a testament to how good he is as an athlete and how much he pays attention to the actual business and the game of boxing. In terms of resume, you talk, obviously you talk, mentioned Carl Frotcher's resume. Where would Usyk rank amongst AJ's opponents on the resume? He's the best boxer he'll ever face. 
the best natural boxer he will ever face. Without, I don't even have to question that against mm-hmm. him. People will say, well, he's for Vladimir Klitschko. Yeah, Vladimir Klitschko was very good at what he'd done, but it was one set of tactics that he used to beat everybody. Mm-hmm. He gets, he, he, he boxes you from the outside. Every time you get close, he hugs you and leans on you. Now, don't get me wrong, mate, that is very hard to, to beat. It, sa- it sounds really simple the way I've broken down, mm-hmm. but when you're actually in there with him, that is very, very hard to combat. Mm-hmm. It takes a bigger man than himself to combat against it. That way he can't get hold of you, he can't outweigh, he can't outstrength you, as Tyson Fury showed. But for the, for AJ and Usyk, it, it, it's a hard night. You know, everyone's mm-hmm. going, oh, he's a cruiserweight, he's small. He's not just any cruiserweight, he's the best cruiserweight I've ever seen in my bloody life. Uh, and, and I'm not going to lie, that includes Evander Holyfield. You fought Usyk, and yeah. it was... I, I watched it, obviously, uh, we, we actually did a show for it, and, you know, in terms of a, a fighter being stopped, uh, as you were, yeah. uh, in the final fight of your career, yeah. I, I say this in a weird way, it might sound silly, but I hope you understand where I'm coming from, in oh. that it is probably one of the best ways to to lose a fight in my opinion you know <laughs> you, you know you're, you're fighting the greatest arguably uh, cruiserweight ever <clears throat> yeah. not many people debate that you you bested him for many you know a good few rounds it took a long time yeah. for him to come back into that fight in fact and to assert his skill level and his you know yeah. pushing the pace on you so how do you feel about that fight now when you look back at it do you know what? I've only ever looked back at it twice, and the second time I looked back at it was last week uh, for the zone mm-hmm. when I was sitting down with them to analyse the fight, and <clears throat> I'd forgot to be honest. Uh, I put it on my mind. I- I'm very proud of myself the way I carried myself, and, and and I was doing really well on the fight. And people say, "Oh, Tony, you were ahead after eight rounds." Yeah, me, but everyone forgets I had four rounds ago, and I was absolutely exhausted. <laughs> and then he finishes me off. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> it is what it is. He's an amazing fighter. I lost to the better man on the night. I have no regrets. I have no quarrel. What, what, what do you think the main reason for the loss was in your head? Because obviously you were doing really well early on. He's better than me. <laughs> but it's yeah, but, better than me. I mean, but 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 you were better than him within certain rounds. You showed oh, you can beat yeah. him in certain rounds. Yep. But I got tired, mate, mm-hmm. and he made me tired. Okay. Yes, I could come out and make excuses of going to heavyweight and fighting David Hay twice. I felt at fifteen stone, I felt no one in the world could hurt me. Mm. That's the God's honest truth. You know, when I fought David Hay the second time, that was the best of me. I felt so on fire that night. I thought mm. no one in the world would have beat me, but. I come back down and wait after getting married and, and having a honeymoon. But I don't want to make excuses and take anything away from him. He's a better fighter than me. And okay. I've got no problem saying that. It's it's the only time in my life where I've been able to take a defeat and it hasn't affected me badly. Because I knew in my heart of hearts, he's just better than me. And I can have that. Mm-hmm. It's when I'd lost a fight in the past. So after I lost against the Donna Stevenson, I was heartbroken. Yeah. I was truly heartbroken because it felt like my world ended. Like when when the decision, when I didn't get the decision against Nathan Cleverly, it didn't bother me in all honesty. I didn't hide, didn't all because I thought I won. Mm-hmm. So that was the first loss in my career where they thought I lost, but I didn't think I did, so it didn't affect me. The Adonisty and someone crushed me to my soul. It was hard. I cried myself to sleep yeah. in Canada in the bed on my own. Uh, but after Usyk, I was at peace, to be fair, because I thought I gave it everything I had. I trained really hard in camp. Yes, you know what? I even got an injury just before the fight. It didn't oh, wow. affect the fight. It didn't do anything at all. My rib got cracked. Uh, it didn't affect how I performed. He didn't finish me with a body shot. Nothing. He just he was better than me. Yes, I was ahead on the cards. I was boxing him, making him miss at times. I was counting him with good body shots. Even even That right hand was shots. beautiful. Yeah. The way you were luring him in. It was, I was set traps for him. 
Mm-hmm. I'd done something he didn't expect at all. But ultimately, as I said before, so again, I got tired. And I got tired for a reason, because he made me tired. He's that good. Mm-hmm. His, 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 his adjustments in the fight that he makes, uh, his, his sense of... You know, distance is just mm-hmm. it's phenomenal. He's brilliant, and and I can't take me out of highly too enough. I just wish he'd stop fighting me, mates. Yeah, Chisora. I want to support him because yeah. I really like him. He's a diamond of a fella. He's one of the nicest people you could meet. An exceptional fighter, but I have to keep going against him because he keeps fighting me, mates. So he's going to lose this one, though. The 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 thing about uh, Usyk that I find hard to sort of work out by the by the eye you know is you know because so many fights you can really tell what's going on in there but with him it it feels like there's subtleties to his game and i'm honestly i struggle to put my finger on it and obviously you've been in there and i was wondering like when you were getting tired what sort of things were you noticing that he was doing that would it bring that on Six inch adjustments with his feet. I knew okay. exactly what he was doing, and the worst thing I was nothing I could do about it because mm-hmm. he just kept adjusting six inches. I, for the first six rounds of the fight, I kept drawing him in and then nailing him down the stairs. Mm. I didn't tell anyone besides Dave Caldwell what I was going to do. They're the air never knew. No one knew, so everybody expected me to come out and just try and take his head off with the right hand, uh, and I, I completely didn't do that at all I just mm-hmm. boxed him and draw him in and he does make mistakes and there's certain things that are done in the fight that he doesn't like but as I said by the time this, the end of the seventh round had come he'd, he'd adjusted and he'd got me measure and he was that good and I, as I say at the end of round seven I said to me coach in the corner he said are you tired and I said I am fucking exhausted and he said what do you mean you can't be you're in great shape I've watched you spot 12 rounds with three different sparring partners last week just like I said AJ does uh-huh. Uh, and I said, Coach, I said, I'm, 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 I'm exhausted. Did and, he make I, you I, mentally tired as well? Because that, that's one that's thing he does part. seem very smart. That's what he done. I was mm. like, mentally exhausted. Physically, the exhaustion, like I wasn't breathing heavy. Aye. I just felt the fight out of me. Yeah. So in an ideal world, the coach goes there, you've had enough, that's him stopping it. But I can't go out like that. And yeah. he knows, the coach knows me. And I love Dave Caldwell. He's my friend. He's not just me, he's my coach, my friend. He's a, he means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. So when I told him that, any other coach in the world would have gone, that's enough, I'm stopping it. He knew it couldn't. I've got to go out on my shield. You don't stop me. I, res- I respect me. that. Like, uh... Yeah, you, you, you stop me, we're, we're have, you're, you're going to go sleep in the dressing room. <laughs> and and that's the, that's, it's horrible to say that, yeah. but he knows the way I am. I love him yeah. so much, Dave. And he's he's a, he's the reason I became world champion from a coach perspective. Yeah. He was a massive, massive plus to my career. So the last five years of my career went so well because of Dave Caldwell as, and his coaching yeah. techniques and methods. He's the best professional boxing coach I ever had the fortune to, to come across. So, but We've had him on the show. We, 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 we love him. He's, he's give us some great analysis when we've had him over. Um, oh. And I, I hear what you're saying in terms of the mental exhaustion. Obviously, at the low level that I've been learning boxing, the main surprising thing for me about boxing was how how much you have to think and how draining that is and how many calories you're yeah. burning just anticipating what the guy's going to do. That really surprised me. And obviously, you six at the top of the food chain in the brain department. And, um, you know, AJ is getting better and yeah. he's certainly improving every time I watch him. But um, I'm, how are you seeing that mental battle? It's the mental taxation that he places on you, Dusik, and he's so used to it. I mean, all the fighters he fights, they always tire in the second half of fights, whether it's me, Marius Bredis, Murat Gassiev, 
the old tyre, Michael Hunter, because to keep with him, you've got to be at the mental strength for every second, every minute of the round. What I will say about this with AJ is, Usyk's is, it's not that he's a big puncher, he's very accurate and he's, 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 he hits you stiff enough to, to get your respect. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have that at heavyweight. So these guys don't have to be as switched on as we was as cruiserweights. Yeah. You've seen Chisora seem to, to walk him down. Like I mean, Chisora does that everyone, but yeah. you know, Chisora bear, bear hugged him early on, didn't he? And just raggled him a bit. The thing with Derek is Derek gets close, but he can't stay close for a period of time. So yes, he'll get there, but when he gets there, he's gone. Mm-hmm. You might land one or two. Yeah. AJ has the athletic ability and the prowess to get there and stay there and throw six before he's gone. And that's the difference, I think. I think he's the only heavyweight in the world who can get there, stay there, and land. Tyson Fury will not have a boxing match with Alexander Usyk if he meets him. The main point for me that I'm worried about for AJ is a tendency to, in the first three or four rounds, control and then put the pressure on, try and get the guy out of there. And then he has this three-round period where the work rate decreases quite noticeably to me. And then towards the end of the fight, you'll step it up and you'll hopefully get them out of there. Can you take that kind of time off against Anusik is the, is the problem for me. I don't... That's where I see the vulnerability in AJ. Do you the disagree? AJ, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the thing with the Chisora fight is... He, he sits there because he can. And that's the only difference. He knows he can't sit on ropes and let AJ work because okay. he knows one of them big ones will get through. Derek is a strong fighter and he's an extremely durable man. Mm-hmm. But his strengths aren't the same strengths as that AJ has. So his strength isn't the speed and the timing and the accuracy and the explosiveness of AJ. What mm-hmm. Derek has is a really heavy hands and he gets hit into, hit into your body and then he cops you with the big one over the top. It's mm-hmm. worked so many times before. You're not going to catch Alexander Usyk with that big swing over the top. It's not going to happen. Not unless you hit him down the stairs first, tire him out, get his hands to drop and then maybe he'll get it. You ain't getting that in the first six or seven rounds. Once he'd adapted and adjusted to Derek, it was target practice for him. And Derek knew what he was getting into, mm-hmm. but I think Derek anticipated that he'd actually tire quicker than he did. He never actually tired. He just kept adjusting his feet all the time. Mm-hmm. And everyone was going on at me for screaming at the fight. I'm screaming for my friend Derek. She's me go way back. We boxed for England together. Uh, he's a close friend. He's basically a family member to me. Uh, so me cheering and screaming for him. I'm not saying he won the fight because he didn't win the fight against mm-hmm. Alexander Usyk. But what he'd done is he pushed him in a different way than other people have pushed him before. But make no mistake, that's because Alexander Usyk let him. Alexander Usyk could have boxed Derek Chisora the way he boxed Morek Gassiev if he chose to, and he wouldn't have got to lay the glove all night. But he didn't. He wants to feel the strength inside. He wants to feel what it was like having a big heavyweight lean on him, wrestle with him a little bit. And he done it. And he done it because he didn't have that fear factor going into that fight. He'll have that with AJ. He will not let AJ get close. If he if he can possibly stop it, he will. But as I said before, yeah, he, he doesn't have a say. AJ's the only heavyweight in the world who's explosively fast enough to get there. He will get there. He will close that distance. And when he closes that distance, there's going to be nowhere for Usyk to go. There'll be times when he'll lead him the merry dance and he'll put him into the ropes. And AJ will miss miss at times and look cumbersome even. But at some point in every single round, he will close the distance, boom, and then he will get shots off and he will hit him in the in the correct places where he needs to hit. I have no mistake about that. <clears throat> Watching him training, uh, he's worked hard. He's 
diligently as well. You know, he's trained right, mate. So, Wh- which version wait. of AJ would you liken this one to in terms of other versions? Do you know what everyone says to me? The versions of him that he's just adding to his game. So I don't say like the. So By that I meant more the physicality of I know of him. what you mean. Yeah. Oh, the physicality. Okay, because some people like the version of him that turned up in Ruiz or the version... Of I just meant... The, yeah, because I feel like Ruiz was a clear game plan of I ain't mm. going to get tired the way I did last... I'm not going to yeah. let this go, you know? It's mad because he's one punch away from finishing Ruiz in the first fight and then that loss never happens. Of course. But I also think that's the best thing to happen to his career. He's now experienced everything in boxing. I've chatted mm-hmm. to him before about this. There's nothing he hasn't experienced. He's not new at the road. The old, there's nothing you can say to him, well, if that's happens in a fight, what do you do? He's been on the floor, he's got up, he's been cut in fight, he's had a little nick in fight, he's lost a fight, he's fought him in a rematch and come back straight away. Uh, he's been tired in fights. All these things he's encountered in such a short period of the time at the highest level of the sport. The version that I think turns up, a lighter version when it comes to on the scales, mm-hmm. a slicker version, a sleeker version, but ultimately... Yes, you can change his physical adjust, his physical appearance and then his weight on the scales. You can't change what's inside there. And the kid's a fighter. And you can't change what's in there. He's a killer. When he gets close, he's he's the best combination punching heavyweight since Mike Tyson. His hands are that fast. I'm not saying he is Mike Tyson. I'm not saying he's better than Mike Tyson. I'm just saying he is the best combination punching heavyweight since Mike Tyson. I would only say Holyfield can do it similar to him as well. There's just no one who puts punches together. The kid can throw six punches in a second and they're all got power in them. Any one of them could take your neck off. Mm-hmm. So he's just, he's phenomenal, mate. He really is. But it, this is a really hard fight. He does switch off sometimes. That's yes. why you see Rob McCracken screaming for, for non-stop rounds when he's training or whatever. I think, I feel like Rob almost controls him with <laughs> like with a PlayStation controller sometimes, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's that window that I think Usyk has to exploit where where the gas tank does drain a little. If Mm. Usyk ramps the pressure up on there, that's that's where I see his chance in the middle of the fight to take over. Mm. Um, Do you agree or do you say other ways for Usyk? I I see your point and he does switch off, but the only reason AJ, the only times AJ switches off is when a fight gets too easy. I agree, yeah. So, you know, against Pulev is a clear marker there of two rounds where he completely switches off and, and, yeah. and gets tired because he's emptied the sink. Pulev was gone and he hasn't got rid of him. Yeah. He's took his foot off the gas. Against Ruiz, one, it's all going so nice and easy and then bang, gets hit on the top of the head. He's never mm. the same again for the rest of the fight. When someone who's 19, 20 stone itching on the top of the head, mate, believe you me, it's uh, it's not nice. So, When he thought he had Pulev hurt as well, the one worry is, a bit like the Ruiz... His his defense seemed to go like he's really going, and I get it. You're trying to kill someone, like you know. I ain't been in that situation for a world title before, but at the same time, yeah, but I you've was hit watching someone that in the ring, haven't you? And you, and you've hit them and thought, I've got a reaction. <laughs> yeah, it's the exact yes. same. It's just on a grander scale. Yeah. Just when you, the feelings you get when you hit someone and you get a reaction, bump for the legs go all the way. It's the same for him, and he, he'll never lose that because that's the killer instinct in him that he has. It's not all fighters have it, mate. To be honest, mm. they really don't. And he is someone he can't let go of. It well, it's a gift and a curse, though. That. Is what I'm yes. kind of saying is the fact that he wants to go out there and finish the guy is great, but obviously against Anusik, you can't go out and and rush it like that. It's you've got to wait until he's cooked, I guess. You're spot on, Brian. It's it's you've got to be so careful with how you approach someone like Alexander Usyk because he's not going to be playing possum but when you hate him you've got to make a calculate it's a calculated risk what you're taking if you're going to finish him off 
Yeah. Because this boy has got a tank that's never going to completely drain. His footwork's exceptional. His judgment of distance is off the scale. Uh, people always say about Vasily Lomachenko, he's every bit as good as Vasily Lomachenko. He just doesn't need to do the things that Vasily Lomachenko does in the ring, the fooling round, the bolt of the matador, the hands up in the air, the, mm-hmm. the great grand movements that he does. He just does it with boxing. And that's why he's not rated and raved on like Vasily Lomachenko was. He's every bit as good as him. Every bit as good as him. Tactically aware, technically brilliant. As I said, AJ's just got to get it right on the night. And I think he will. Uh, yes, he could be behind on points. It could be a bit of a merry dance for the first few rounds. But he will He will gauge the distance. And when he gauges the distance, uh, I just think Alexander Usyk's in trouble. I hope yeah, the I'm size difference, it's, it's a big one, isn't it? Yeah, You'll see on the scales. <laughs> Even though AJ will look slimmer and look a lot more not bulky, but just he's a he's a lead, he's a proper athlete. He's a proper proper athlete, and mm-hmm. you will see that. And, and Alexander Usyk is a brilliant athlete as well, but you will see the size difference. And there's a reason why he's unified heavyweight champion of the world, and there's a reason why you undisputed cruiserweight champion of the world. Weight doesn't the weight divisions exist for a reason. I I agree with you and. You know, I really want AJ to win. Obviously, English guy. Also, the Fury fight would be amazing. Oh, I, I guess in my head, the only two worries are: if I was to say what are AJ's weaknesses or lesser strengths, it would be possibly the cardio sometimes and the switching yeah. off mentally. And if I was to say what are Usyk's strengths, I would say mentally and the pace <laughs> yeah. he puts on you. So, to me, if AJ does beat him, that is almost beating one of the most difficult opponents you'll ever fight, which obviously is what you said. Going to the Fury-Wilder fight, do you see anything different happening this time round? I think it's the last throw of the dice for Deontay Wilder, so it makes him even more dangerous. Mm. Uh, I don't think it is Dominic Quinn, isn't it? I don't think... Is it? No, it's not Malik Scott. I get them mixed up. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Malik Scott's not going to turn him into Muhammad Ali overnight. That's not going to happen. And I think he knows that Malik as well. He knows the game. Yeah, but he definitely can add things to his game. A little bit more patience is a massive thing. For someone like Deontay Wilder, if he becomes a little bit more patient, believe you me, it makes him a whole lot more dangerous. And when I say patient, people think, oh, he's going to slow down. He's not going to find the shot. It just means he'll take his time looking for it. And when he, if, he, if he does take his time looking for it, Fury is going to give you chances. There's no two ways about that. Tyson Fury is what he is. You know, a, a brilliant, unorthodox boxer with... The feet of a middleweight. His footwork for for a man of his size is off the scale. It's brilliant. The, the, the element does. of surprise, I guess, has gone this time as well because the game plan was completely different last time. Now they kind of they've seen what what could come now, so they can plan mm-hmm. for that. Well, the first time he, he fights him, they all think Tyson Fury's washed up and finished. That's that's to be totally <clears> honest. <throat> and they think they're getting a nice easy win. He turns it on his head. He gets up off the floor like the Undertaker in the twelfth round. It's mm-hmm. all crazy. Uh, he gets given a draw, which it never was. Tyson Fury wins the fight, clearly. The second fight, he goes in. And I said to anyone who'd listen, when Tyson Fury goes into the rematch with Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury will stop Deontay Wilder. I kept telling them and telling them. And the reason to do it, I said to everyone who'd listen, he will pick up where he left off in the 12th round of the first fight. Mm-hmm. If anyone watches that first fight back, he nearly stopped Deontay Wilder through exhaustion and tiredness and mm-hmm. just leaning on him when Deontay Wilder tries emptying the tank. And as I say, the move to Sugar Hill was a very, very clever move. You know, the training and the sparring will be completely different to what he was doing before. I'm not saying it's better or it's worse, I'm saying it's different. So the training regime that he employs with the Kronk, it's a lot of heavy sparring will be involved. 
it's, it's, it's slightly different for UK. A lot of UK trainers don't like to use a lot of heavy sparring. A lot of the US guys do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sparring is the only way that you can properly become conditioned for a 12-round fight. The sparring is, is, is the most important factor of any camp. So you're seeing the difference from Fury and Wilder 1 to Fury and Wilder 2. In Fury and Wilder 3... You will see a minor adjustments from Deontay Wilder. He will be learning on the job. He is still dangerous. And I do think that Tyson Fury won't approach him as quickly as he did in the rematch. Tyson Fury basically, everyone's got this thing that Tyson Fury just walked in and put it on him. No, he didn't. He didn't. That's not what happened at all. He took a very Klitschko style approach and it was very clever and very smart. He jabs you, he hits you, he holds you, he leans on you. He jabs you, hits you with the right hand couple of taps to the body but then he leans on you again he uses all his attributes to his advantage and then everyone's talking about it after the fight Tyson Fury just put it on him and knocked him out well no he didn't he leaned on him he used all his attributes to his advantage just watch the fight back it's there for everyone to see mm-hmm. once again it's not great to watch but it's extremely effective and it's brilliant boxing by Tyson Fury no one can knock it Vladimir Klitschko made a career out of it mate and it worked to an absolute treat as in the third fight I think Deontay Wilder will wait for the the coming together of each other and then he will look to fire when Fury's at that close point. Mm. Tyson's got to be very careful. He's got to shoot when Tyson shoots, I guess, and go He's for going to, 100% mm. he's going to do that. Tyson is the far better technical boxer of the two than by an absolute mile, but he's got to be careful when taking risks because he can't expect to get off the floor like the Undertaker in round 12 in the first fight. Again, mm-hmm. he can't anticipate that because that doesn't, that isn't always going to happen. That's a freak incident that happens in, in careers. You have them nights sometimes where nothing, where no matter what happens, you're getting up. I, I've been through similar. I remember Oval McKenzie hit me with a right hand and I dropped flat on my face. I, I still, to this day, I've watched that fight back. I can't believe I'm up. I'm up at the count of three. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> then, he, he, you know, the first time he drops me, he sits me down, I'm up at three. So he drops me twice heavy. My legs uh-huh. shattered up from underneath me. It's pure the fitness that got me up, nothing else. Yeah. And, and I say Tyson's an extremely fit individual, but there's only so many times your body will allow you to keep getting up from them kind of things. And Deontay Wilder will know that. So yeah. I don't write him off. I do think Tyson Fury will win, but I think it'll be a little bit more drawn up this time. And I think technically he'll be better for the larger parts of the fight. I don't think it's going to be a quick blowout. Of um, I guess that, I agree with you on obviously picking Fury, but the X factor for me in this one is uh, Fury's never defended a title before, and uh, yeah. and only very few champions who have that kind of name can have that. You know, like Conor McGregor, same same thing. Some people when they climb to the top of the mountain, like when Fury beat Klitschko, it, 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 the yeah. desire it wilts, and when I've looked at him. The delaying of the fight, the stuff that's gone on with him and his dad, where his dad's frustrated with him, and mm. the, there's just his dad seems worried about him over there in America. He's got the wrong people around. Him. All of that, it, that's not good noises from their camp, in my no. opinion. So that's the only thing where I'm like, do you still have that edge? Do you still really want to fight AJ? Is this really what you're? And it, it does seem that way, but I think the fact that he hasn't had a title defense yet alone, that 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 is shocking. And it, I think Tyson. I think Tyson wants to. Mm. Uh, I don't think he doesn't want to at all. I think he's been in camp for a number of months, and, and mm. you know that arbitration thing was something that that only a fool 
would have allowed to step in the way of it. Mm-hmm. Bob Adam is one of the brightest and smartest men about from a law background. He will have known that arbitration was going to stand up without a shadow of a doubt. Mm-hmm. So I do think the whole thing was a ploy on his half. Uh, but ultimately, it showed. I, th- I think did Tyson really want to fight? Or did I think for Tyson and his team? I think the half called AJ's bluff because I think they're so believing in themselves that AJ doesn't want to fight that they thought, well, we'll just call his bluff and let's see if he does. And when he's put everything in place and it's cost millions of pounds to put in place, it was going to Saudi Arabia literally just days before it gets announced. This arbitration gets pulled. It just doesn't make sense. So. I think uh, it was very unfair. A lot of hard work went into the build-up of that fight and a lot of hard work went into the negotiations of it. Um, it's only down to Bob Adam. Bob Adams is his promoter. And How is he still Adams. alive? <laughs> this guy, <laughs> he's older than dirt, man, honestly. Um, he's been around a long it's time. It's quite amazing. The more I learn about boxing, I'm like, this old guy, he's the one who pulls all the strings, really. Yeah, but, he used to. He used yeah. to. He doesn't. He do, the mad thing is these days, there's so many different promoters, there's so many different TV networks. Many years ago, it was Showtime on HBO, and it was Don King against Bob Adam. Absolutely. And then over here, we had obviously the likes of Frank Warren doing their bits oh. and Barry Ann doing his bits. But now Eddie's taking it to a diff, another level from over here because now we put on stadium shows on a regular basis. This isn't mm-hmm. like going to a leisure centre most weeks. This isn't like going to a, you know, a, a stadium once a year, maybe once every two years. This is stadium boxing when it's freezing cold and people are still filling out ninety thousand seat mm-hmm. stadiums at the Millennium in Cardiff, or we go to Tottenham Hotspur's ground in September, or you go to the, you know, the Wembley Arena. It, it's it's a different level now for our fans over here. In the US, you'd have the likes of fighters now taking control of their own careers and, and they're being literally power brokers themselves. The likes of Canelo Alvarez filling the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. Uh, Manny Pacquiao, but he's got the promoter of Al Heyman behind him these days. But Canelo Alvarez is setting the trend in America, what AJ's doing here. Mm-hmm. He's running his own ship, very similar to the way Floyd Mayweather did. And they're, they're negotiating everything themselves. Boxing has completely changed over the last... Decade, two decades, I would say, from where it is, it was all we're seeing Don King and, and and Bob Adam at the forefront of every big major promotion. We now see it's the fighters who are at the forefront of every major promotion, and they are in control, which is brilliant to see. Mm-hmm. But make no mistake, the likes of Eddie Earn get them to that position. Eddie Earn is what I'll say is never once again we'll say, "Oh, Tony, why are you kissing Eddie Earn's ass?" I'm just stating a fact about it is he's the only box promoter in the world who lets you get to the top. And let you see what you're worth. Every other promoter doesn't do that. None of them do it because the fighters are very, really in control. You've got to leave a promoter like Canelo Alvarez did when Oscar De La Hoya was promoter. He found the time to, to free himself. Floyd Mayweather done it with Bob Adam many years ago. Mike Tyson tried to do it by leaving Don King. It's just, it, it's crazy, lad, how it's worked out. When you say he lets you see what you're worth, do you mean he you feel off as at that point if you want? No, what happens is you then see what everything comes in. You see the books. Oh, right. The books get opened and they're your books. They're no longer the promoter's books and he pays you. They're your books and you Uh pay him. He's the only promoter in the world who lets it get to that stage. And that's <laughs> Dana White wouldn't think. be fucking doing that. I know that for a fact. Oh, what? <laughs> mate, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's. It, don't get me wrong. It must be very, very hard for a promoter to do that because he's built the fighter up and he wants him to get to a certain level where then he starts making his major money back. But ultimately, for someone like Eddie, he's happy he's, the fighter's got there and he feels like he's earning enough from the provider himself. 
which is very honest and very fair. For it, it, it is fair, and, and and I kind of feel like we're giving him credit for what all of them should be doing. But fair play to him. Yeah, yeah, it is because because he, he could just hold, he could just say, "There's your fee," and he'd, it'd be a great fee. And boxers still would take it. Eddie would be in a position to go right. There's five million for you. Uh, and then whatever's left over is for me and in some fights there could be 10 million he's give you mm. five but then in other fights he could give you five and only get one or he could get nothing he could lose I've had fights with Eddie Hearn my world title fight at Goodison Park Eddie Hearn lost money he lost money but he says it's one of the greatest nights of his life because it's a memory that'll stick with him and the family forever and to me that means the world uh, but mm-hmm. I ultimately I remember saying to him you don't have to pay me for it because I feel like I've achieved my lifelong dream he may, I actually told him after Goodison Park you don't need to pay me I, I, I'm, I, I, know, I knew we'd lost because the setup cost that much the TV deal wasn't great at the time and I actually said I don't need pay he paid me he paid me on the Monday he said Tone it's one of the greatest nights of our family and our history and our career you paid and, and he gave me X amount of money which was, was a good fair amount of money Uh I know your relationship's like this with Eddie and that and that you know I respect that and you've got to back your mate at the end of the day mm-hmm. but other fighters have yeah. um who I you know like regular uh, pro fighters who I'm yeah. aware of have said that they're reluctant to trust their career with Eddie because while there's the shining example of AJ of you yeah. there's also um, that Sunderland lad who who got rushed, or the Geordie lad who who got okay. rushed, and, uh, and people say, Josh you know, Kelly. yeah, sorry, uh, Josh Kelly, who like, uh, I'm sure you're aware of um, uh, Tony Jeffries. He made a rant no, video Jeffrey. where he was like, "This this is a kid who you know we had, and he's been rushed to, and you know you've rushed him, you know." So, what do you think about that side of it? So straight away, that comes down who's his manager. His manager is mm. Adam Booth. Adam Booth makes the match, not Eddie Hearn. Eddie okay. Hearn propo- so a promoter never makes a match. That's the first of almost. Now, I've had trouble with Eddie on numerous occasions. Like mm. I, I didn't think I should have been fighting Matthias Masterneck for the European title. I wanted to face a world title eliminator and, and force it out that way. Eddie's words to me, and we had bad words, we got crosswords, we went like bang at each other. I was fucking fuming with him. Mm-hmm. I said, Why am I facing Mateus Masterneck? He's fucking, he's like, he's 40 fights and, and three losses. He, he's only ever been stopped once on his feet by Gregory Droz, the Russian former WBC champion. He says to me, Tone, if you can't beat Mateus Masterneck, you're not good enough to be world champion. I was fucking furious. I was like, You cheeky bastard. I, was f- <laughs> I went into that fight and I had more anger towards Eddie than I had towards <laughs> my opponent. Well, it's a reverse now- psychology, though, isn't it? He played you like a flute. <laughs> now, when I look back, he did. Now, when I look back, he was right. Yeah. And that fight defined me. That fight made me. It was one of the toughest fights in my career, but it made me. It made me because I'd won the European title. I became a top five fighter with every governing body, WBC, IBF, WBA, WBO. Uh, and it was the making of me a cruiserweight. But what you're touching on with Lewis Ritten and Josh Kelly, now their managers pick them fights. Eddie will come to them with a, with a, a select of about five different opponents. Sometimes he'll come to you with two or three and they'll be the one that Eddie wants you to face. And he'll obviously put more money in it. But ultimately, it's the fighter who agrees and the manager. Wow. It's not on the promoter. He's going to. But if you if if a fighter refuses a fight, and I'm yeah. this is more what I know about the UFC model, yeah. but you know you refuse my first offer, I don't expect the second or third week very good either. You know, like do you yeah. feel because you look at the like Campbell the, the the management of people like Conor Ben and Campbell Hatton, yeah, and and then compare that with 
Josh Kelly. A lot of, of people would say very different kind of treatment when your dad's not a famous name. Completely different nature, but bear in mind one of them's been on the GB podium squad and fighting the best amateurs all around the world for the whole of his career. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other two are, have come in the game with virtually no amateur experience. Mm-hmm. And yes, I looked after early on, I agree 100%. But and I'm not saying they shouldn't like, be, by the way. I'm, of course. I'm just no, using listen, it as an example. I 100% get yeah. it. And I would, from the people looking from the outside in, Josh Kelly's had an established amateur career boxer, the GB around the world, an Olympian, I believe, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done a lot to, to progress quickly because he's been at that level. The likes of Campbell Hatton, a very young, uh, not fully mature yet individual. Mm-hmm. And yes, he's getting more publicity and exposure because of his name. He's a Hatton, same as Conor Ben. No one can knock them for gaining on that publicity and taking the fights the way they are. Conor Ben's now at a point in a career where Conor Ben is no longer, it's Conor Ben, Nigel Ben's son. It's like he's Conor Ben. He's Conor Ben who's knocking out from the title challenges. So he's going his own path and he's creating his own, you know, route. But I do get what you're saying 100%. And there is two sides to every coin. But I'd say for the likes of Lewis Ritten, for the likes of Josh Kelly, no one forces them to fight, mate. Mm -hmm. No one forces them. No one puts it on them, Brian. No one makes them do it. The, it, the choice is up to them. Someone, if you're an older, experienced head in the boxing game, needs to be looking after these kind of people. And I guess because Eddie Hearn gets so much credit for doing a great job with AJ, people then will mm-hmm. give him the same credit or, or not credit, as this case may be, when it doesn't go right. 100%. Um, and, I, and I think it's spot on. You know, he, mm-hmm. you can't get it right every time it's the first one. And you can never think that he's perfect because he's not. He's made mm-hmm. loads of bad fights, made loads of bad matches. They're not really bad for him because if it's a really good fight on TV, the TV wins. Yeah. But ultimately, the, the the person who's in the hard fight will look at him and go, why did you make that fight for me? Like I could have done after the Mateus Masterek fight. Mm-hmm. I come out the Mateus Masterek fight with two scratched eyeballs and a cracked, and a cracked right hand. Uh, but ultimately, you know, I just become European champion. It was at that moment in time, it was a dream fulfilled. I was made up. I'd been mm-hmm. British Commonwealth European champion. So, yeah, you spot on. There is two sides of every coin. But understand always, the fighter has the last say. Mm-hmm. Always, Absolutely. no fighter can ever complain. No fighter should ever get in the ring and go, "I didn't get this, didn't get that." You knew that before you got in the ring, mate. No one. It's very rare. Now this happens on very few occasions. It's never happened on a matchroom bill. There's never been a matchroom fighter that's ever gone unpaid after he's boxed, ever in the history of boxing. That's a fact. That's not that's not me saying singing the praise for matchroom. That's not me saying, well, this that's a fact. No fighter has ever boxed on a matchroom bill and never not been paid. And, and, There's and not the many is, other promoters in the world that can say that. That's the mental thing, is again, it's it's something where it that should be the normal. But as I found out with a lot of my YouTube mates now getting into yeah. boxing, they're fighting, getting told, oh, you'll get paid after the event and nothing comes through. You know what I mean? That is quite... It's, and I've got a lot of friends. Um, my mate was on the podium squad, Lawrence Oswecki, for yeah. a lot of his early fights uh, for free. You know, and it, it, you can't sell the t- enough tickets. It, it really, it's been an eye-opening you know, time for me of, of how hard it is for boxers, especially young boxers out there. I'm made up that you've said that and you've been able to get out because if I'd have said that, everyone would have gone once again, oh, he's, he's singing Eddie's. I'm not singing Eddie's mm-hmm. praises. I'm stating facts, cold, mm-hmm. hard facts. I know numerous world champions, numerous uh, pundits on the TV who have been world champions. Mm-hmm. They never got paid for the last two fights of their career. Big Marcus. money. I know world champions, former unified champions, haven't been paid for the fights. Uh-huh. 
Well, when I interviewed you and you told me, I think, was it, you said you only became, you know, you only got paid a lot of money from David Hayes, where the first David Hay fight. I became financially secure after David Hay won. I had a few quid in the bank after being a world champion. I just on the verge of buying me house and it was a good size house as well. Uh, But I just about to buy it. If I'd have retired after defending me well against BJ Flores, I would have owned me house, and that would have been it. That's what I'd end. That's that's staggering when you when you consider what you'd achieved when you were a British world champion. Commonwealth European world champion, yeah. fought at Goodison Park, fought, filled the Echo Arena three you or four times in my career. <laughs> <I was laughs> Do you know Rocky, what I mean? <laughs> which paid more than any of them fights before yeah. it. Where, so yeah, it was crazy, mate. But then when I fight David. Yeah, wow. It's uh, then that's when the books start getting opened up, and I see what I'm worth, and that's where Eddie takes me to. He takes me, to, he lets me know. He opens the books for the first world title defense. He opens the books for Goodison Park, which he shouldn't have done because he lost. Mm-hmm. But as I've said before, I'll say again: honourable, honest, and uh, I, I, I just couldn't. I don't know any other promoter in the world who is as honest as him. I don't agree with everything he says. We've had murder on numerous occasions. We've had arguments. We've had clashes. But the one thing I can always guarantee, he's honest, mm-hmm. and that's so, all. That's all that you can ask for in business is honesty. You're you're now a pundit. Obviously, you're working with the uh, zone, which is yep. a really interesting move from for Matchroom moving from Sky to the zone. It feels like a really uh, progressive move in some some regards. Some people have complained about, but how are you finding the new home and and this new situation? Do you know what I got? Eddie spoke to me. Uh, just a little bit before now I'd never signed a contract with Sky Sports uh, and I've said this before I'm not sure if I've said it out loud and personally but I felt like I was thrown under the bridge a bit after uh, after Derek Chisora fights Alexander Usyk I was Derek Chisora is a friend of mine I said before like a family member to me mm-hmm. I was screaming cheering against anyone now I hadn't signed a contract uh, I was working for Sky Sports you know I'm going to scream and cheer for him. So don't even ask me to work and employ me if you know that's what I'm going to do. You know, it's like asking a dog not to be a dog. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Ask a dog to be a cat for the night and see what he does. He's going to bark. Exactly. Uh, so I just, it is what it is. I, got, I felt like I got thrown under the bus a bit and I felt like I got, you know, launched and blamed for everything. I got screamed and shouted that night. They said, I said, you certain swear words, which I didn't. Uh, but I'm not bothered. I don't care. I have, I hold no ill feelings towards any of them. I I love a lot of members at Sky Sports. You know, I, I absolutely love Ed Robinson. What a guy. What a fella. Uh, I've really got on great with Johnny Nelson, with Adam Smith, with all the staff and all the people. They're all brilliant people. So I had no problem with that. But I just I, I felt I don't like the way you've done this here. I'm throwing me under the bus. You know, just come out and say we don't think he said that, but he didn't say nothing. They just like just move me away from TV for a bit and then they asked me to come back and work the Lonza Coley. So they, so they give you a, so rather than communicate they just they just, just gave stop me the asking you. But to be fair I, I spoke to one of the, the senior members of the boxing side and uh, he was like Tone I know you didn't do this I know you didn't do that uh, and, and I kind of feel like I should take the blame because I asked you to work it and I was like it's not a problem mate I don't mind I don't care about the abuse but then that didn't come out in the public it was just Tony Bell not on Sky no more Tony Bowie's been kind of shoved to the side, mm. which, as I say, I didn't like. Uh, and up to that moment, ever since I'd retired, I'd worked every box office event, and then I was left to the side for the for the AJ Pulev fight. 
uh, and watch from home. I could have went down to support the AJ, as I know, I get on great, but I wouldn't have disturbed him or any of the team before. But I could have the opportunity was there. I'd said, Tony, come here, be and, great uh, to see and you. let's not forget though, you weren't just a, a pundit. You you made Sky a lot of money. Let's, oh, mate, know. listen, <laughs> if if the, the only the highest of the highest people in Sky Sports know what would have happened had David Hay have beat me. Everybody, so anybody who's listened to this and is from the hierarchy of Sky, understand and know what was going to go down if David Hay beat me on live on Sky Sports box office. They can never ever say nothing to me. What what, what what are you alluding to there? Yeah, uh, they know. Everybody, <laughs> and, uh, they know. Come on, you got you got to help his, me out a little bit. I believe you, me, mate. His announcement <laughs> post fight would have been explosive. Oh, had he have beaten me. What oh, he you was think? Set to you, well, I mean, all right. So I logic think me. I know what he was going to announce. I know what he was going to announce. So, me, I put a span in, then worked completely, and I destroyed it. And okay, that was so, the greatest. So thing there was a big fight lined up. I assume then, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't know, but you guys uh, would be able to dig We that can out all somewhere. assume who that would have been against. <laughs> so <laughs> the uh, money man. Not, yeah, I mean, but not necessarily. Well, there was oh, there was so much more going on as time moved on. I was quite happy staying away, to be honest. If I was never seen again, it wouldn't ask me in the slightest. But then, when you say that when you first retire, you like you soon realise after a year of being completely nothing, seizure, and then I done the SAS thing, and I thought, do you know what? I don't want to just keep spending dough and cutting into my savings. I wanted, I want to work not just for the money, but I want to work because I need a. A regime in my life. I need a. I need a goal. I need things to do. To to go back to the pundit rework for DAZN, mm. I'm really interested to see. Have you been? Because uh, it, it feels like Eddie's looking for a different vibe, a different look. He's the, he the tagline is game changed. Yeah. Have you uh, been speaking to Eddie about what he wants from the team? Has there been any kind of different instructions to what you were used to? No, I don't have any agenda that I need to follow. I don't have any instructions that I need to follow. I basically say what I want. <laughs> so I can say I can tell the truth. If I think mm-hmm. if I just lost, I'll say he's lost. If I think he's doing really well, I'll say he's doing really well. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's a matchroom fight or a foreign fight, does not matter. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to fly the flag for anyone. I'm not trying to promote the next big thing. Uh, we we want to attack it from a different angle that it's never been done for. Like for me. I want so much more for the next generation of boxers to be put out there. I want to see that that they're getting the exposure that they deserve. So these young kids now, I need the backstory on every one of them. So I'm studying again. I'm, I'm finding out about these young fighters, these up-and-coming boys, when they're coming off the GB squad and the Olympic Games. I want to know the backstory. I want to know where they've been, what they've been doing, who they've sparred, who did they beat in an ABA final. I'm trying to do all this backstory stuff on them because... It's hard work, I want that. By- it is, mate, but by the time these guys get to a, a British title or a combo, I want the household people to know them. I don't want you to get to the world title and then we're being introduced to this kid for the first time. I want everyone to know about Joshua Boati right now and I want them to know his backstory, mm-hmm. what he's believing in, what he's fighting for, what's his purpose. That's I, I see own trying to model themselves off of the UFC and it does feel like a very good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the content side and doing the backstory, like you say, building people up early on. Like We heard about Conor McGregor long before he won a title. Yes. The story was being told so much better yeah. because they're constantly pumping out the content. Um, the the one drawback that a lot of people seem to have mentioned about moving to the zone is on Sky, you've got the guys, they're sitting having a, a can in front of the TV, they're watching the football, football ends, boxing starts, ah, go on, then I'll, I'll sit and watch this anyway. Yeah, of course. The zone is a different model. 
Um, it's a massive advantage. It's yeah, huge. And then it, you've it's, also it's, got the driving force of Sky Sports News, the most popular channel in, in Britain, mm, without a shadow of a doubt. How do you um, see that. the zone combating that and going about dragging people to a subscription service? Well, the, but the thing is now, I mean, the, the advert between Eddie and Barry's brilliant. It's funny, like... Uh, it is fantastic, actually. To it's fair. funny. Mate. Not bad acting. It makes me laugh even every time I yeah. see it, and I've seen it how many times, but it can obviously be accessed through your TV now. Social media plays such a pivotal role today in the growth of all, any kind of network and any kind of channel and any kind of event. It's mm -hmm. a huge thing. Now, Eddie Ann is a promoter who's mastered the use of social media. Mm -hmm. Fair play to him. Very similar to how Dana White's done it. Mm -hmm. They master the use of social media networks. The dinosaurs are still behind in the times. They don't understand it and they don't get it. Mm -hmm. I'm not the biggest fan of it. I don't really like it that much. I use it as a tool. For me, social media, it's not real. It's, mm -hmm. it's the world of make-believe. Everyone can be whatever they want to be on social media. So yeah. uh, it's very rare you'll meet someone and they are the same on social media as they are in a person. It, that's very, very rare. So with me, what you see is what you get me. I'll just say to fuck off. Uh, on social media and I'll just tell you tell me when you see me to be face so and if you do tell, if you do come up to me with the same approach you're going to approach with on social media be very aware for every action guess what there's a reaction uh, and that's the I'm not a tough guy I'm not a big hard case but I'm not going to be abused by anyone mate and sit there lying down it's just not going to happen uh, I, from what you've just said, uh, the the fans of the show, you know, you're a bit of a different character what we had in the first two episodes. We had Jake Paul episode one, Logan Paul episode two. I've never spoke to them, so I don't know. Uh, what oh, they're lovely like. lads, actually. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, they're playing the game as you do. Okay. Um, but if you if you got to know them, if you sat and talked to them, I think you get on really well with them, actually, and uh, I think you'd have a good laugh. They're, they're just playing this boxing game the way entrepreneurs would, but they just happen to be able to fight. You know what I mean? I, I don't think they should be hated at all. I don't think that's fair. Now, what I will say is, which they might not like, is that these guys, I think it's a bit. I, I think it's unfair to put them under the ban in a boxing world. I don't know the difference between one of them, but one of them's four professional boxers. He should be called a professional boxer. The other guy is taking boys from other combats and sticking them in the boxing world. Mm -hmm. He's not actually a boxer. No one he's facing are actual boxers. He's not a professional boxer yet. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. so this is an interesting one because... So you've got Logan, who is the older brother who fought Floyd. He's um, a professional boxer. And then you've and got... he's fucking learning his crafty hard way. I mean, taking Floyd on in your second pro fight... It's nuts. It's, it's pretty decent. <laughs> you've got Jake, who fought... Uh, Tyron Woodley recently, the MMA yeah. world champion, and then Ben Askren, the other Some MMA world champion. Beat everyone, yeah. And my argument back to that, and I, I hear your point, would be in his fourth or fifth fight to fight Tyron Woodley, although mm -hmm. Tyron Woodley is who he is and he isn't a pro the boxer, if I was comparing Tyron Woodley to anyone Tommy Fury's fought right now, I would say he's better than them personally. But Tommy yeah. Fury is a pro boxer, so it is yeah. great. Um, and, and it I looks understand like exactly what you're saying. Yeah, but he's still yet to fight a pro boxer. Okay, Tommy. Now, don't get me wrong. Tommy Fury's records are a joke. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an absolute. It's nuts. I mean, has he fought anyone with a winning record yet? Um, it's it's not good. It is it is bad. It is very. So it's, I, I'm not gonna lie. I yeah. ain't seen the fights. I've had friends send me yeah. the record of opponents that he's fought, and I think like they've got about 127 losses and about five wins. So, wow. You, you, I don't you, know. So 
you've got Jake Paul about to fight Tommy Fury by the looks of it, which will make life interesting because you've got the 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 the, the, the Paul brothers, and then you've got big Tyson Fury shining his celebrity spotlight on on the fight, and it will get a lot of eyes. But is it going to happen? Oh, it'll happen. Uh, it'll happen. Yeah, there's just a lot of money going to be there, you know, and you know what that that'll make. Um, uh, of course, it would always make sense the more money it makes, but. Mm. Yeah, so I, as I say, until he fights a professional boxer, I don't really want to call him a professional boxer. But his brother, on the other hand, uh, did you watch that fight, the Mayweather Logan fight? I didn't. Yeah, is it on YouTube now to watch? Yeah, it's on YouTube. Um, the whole it, it, thing. I mean, it's it's a it's a fun it's a fun thing to watch. You know, like to say Mayweather Floyd in there will not have liked that. I've met Floyd; he will not have liked that. So, so this is the thing, and obviously you haven't seen the fight, but this is the thing that I. I know, I know I'm friends I've with the clips. Yeah, I'm friends with the boys, so naturally I'm going to be leaning on their side. And and Floyd Mayweather, in my opinion, is a, is a dickhead. Um, but yes. I, I think he's got a huge ego. And the point was, is in around five, he's piling the pressure on. And and the fact is, is Logan's just a big lad who can a move. He's a very athletic boy, like very athletic. College you know? wrestler, college wrestler, I'm told. Yeah, the guy, the guy is a, a born athlete. You don't find people just walking around like him. You know, like I haven't seen. I've been in plenty of boxing gyms, plenty of weightlifting gyms. I haven't seen another lad out there who looks like him. I've never met that person before. You know, so he is a beast. He is an athlete. And Floyd was trying to get him out of there, in my opinion. But that without a shadow of a doubt, he. That's what I was saying. There's no, without a shadow of it, that I don't care what anyone says, Floyd will have wanted to knock him out. Well, yeah. I mean, he did it at Connor. He chased him down and piled the pressure on, got him out of there. And he was he doing exactly the same. The round. Yeah, he was he trying. The round. Yeah, he was trying the exact same thing. But, but the interesting thing is, you know, there's a link there between you because you fought BJ Flores, who was now the coach of Jake Paul. And Stop it. Stop it's, it's, quite, it. it's quite amazing. Stop what it, it. What's that like for you? Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> Stop now. He would never call my name, me. So there's no point in even discussing it. No, no. I I'm, wish I'm, them I'm, well. I'm certainly not suggesting that because obviously you're a fucking nearly a heavyweight. I mean, you know, but what I mean is... What, I'm a well and truly a heavyweight right now, mate. Yeah. Trust me. What is it like for you to see a guy who you fought uh, for, you know, you defended your title against him. Yeah. And now he's he's doing this thing over here where he's picking these two, this YouTube kid up and turning good him into a star. Good on, good on him. I mean, he's not turning into a star. He's he's training him. He's getting mm-hmm. him to do the things that anybody else. Obviously, yeah, yeah. He's the kid putting in the work, and he is working hard to be fair. Mm-hmm. As I've said before, he's getting fit. They're, they're both obviously very good athletes. I've I've been speaking to journalists about them, and and I haven't watched them personally much. I've seen a bit of them. Uh, I've seen the one who fought the Ben Askins or whichever name is is. And I that was Jake. Was that cool. was BJ Flores's kid. Yeah, mate, he was just as when Ben Askren pushes him on the face and he runs after him and he gives him like two slaps on the ass <laughs> on the back. It was gold. It was, it was it had me in stitches. Ben Askren <laughs> sold that fight so well. I I love Ben Askren by the way. But I'd listen. I've got no problem or qualm with them. What my only worry is, and I'll say this and. I've said it before and I will say this again. This is all well and good now. Someone's going to get hurt and this is why I'm trying to divert it away from boxing now. Mm-hmm. This, If you're not fighting a professional boxing, you're not registered with a commission, it's not a professional boxing match in my opinion. Like, which one did KSI fight? KSI fought Logan, the one who fought... I, he was- I, see, I seen that one because yeah. my son was made up because I used to just think these YouTubers and us, I didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I spoke to KSI. I, I sat down for half an hour. Me and Eddie had a chat with him. Now, the one thing I got out of that chat was 
fuck me, works hard. The boy just never stops working. Absolutely. He, <clears throat> he broke down his day, and his day consisted of, like, training, eating, working. Train again, work again, work with these people called side men. I don't know Absolutely. Side men, and then yep. work again, and then train, or do something like eat, sorry, not train, train twice a day, then work again, and then do me, like, me final thing then day. I said, have you got a woman? You see a girl or anything like that? He said, well, if I get time, I see her sometimes as well, yeah, but yeah, I, I said, lad, I'm not saying you're a professional boxer, I'm not saying you're a rapper or whatever you are, but what I will say to you is, I've got a lot, a lot of respect for you after talking to you now because you're someone who works very, very hard. Mm-hmm. Don't label that as boxer or whatever, chat, just you work very hard, so fair play to you. No one's giving these kids nothing for nothing. But this is the X factor, and that, this is the secret ingredient that you've just hit on is they they might not be you know pro boxers or pro rappers or whatever people want to put labels on them, but they're fucking winners. These lads win at life. Anything they've applied themselves to, they've made some sort of success out of it at some point. But it, it isn't just them I want to talk about. It's this wave of non-conventional, non-traditional boxing. There's MMA fighters. There's celebrities. There's old fighters getting into it. I've got to talk to you about Evander Holyfield, 59 years old next month, just uh, got stopped by a 44-year-old Vito Belfort. I mean, Florida State Athletic Commission should be ashamed of themselves, to be honest. Absolute disgrace. Pissed me off, mate. Infuriated me. I speak about it on the Zone Boxing Show this week. I was infuriated. Well, you're one of the the biggest spokespersons out there of fighter health and safety, and you've got a guy who, when Holyfield takes the body shot, I don't know if you've seen the fight, but he took a body shot Seems to start stuff. off with, and he just back like he wobbles backs up as if like, what the hell was, what was that? that? And it, yeah, he he doesn't look in any way in a fit state to take a punch on any part of his body from anyone. How sad would it have been if he had died in that ring? Could have easily happened, mate. Could have easily happened. How sad would that mate? Did you see his interviews beforehand as well, by the way? He, yeah. His sentences were a real struggle, some of them. It's like, horrible, mate. It's yeah. it, it, it really heartbreaking to so It really upset me. It's sad. If Evander Holyfield would have died in that, in that ring, which, as you've just said, could have happened mm-hmm. at the state that he's in, that commission needs shutting down and everyone needs locking up. Everyone involved, from the broadcasters to the commission mm-hmm. to the anyone part needs locking up. Well, Evander Holyfield, he, he wasn't, you know, there's some champions who, you know, like take Mike Tyson, for example, a lot of people group them together. Tyson didn't take anywhere near as much damage as Evander Holyfield did. You know, Holyfield went through wars, Mate, you know. I'm talking to killers. Yeah. and Saad it, it, Muhammad. The, his his records are who's who, isn't the it? Lennox. Just the form and fight, he takes a hell of a lot of, st- just, just watch his career. Mm-hmm. That's sad, Muhammad fights. One fight alone is enough to do the right car we want. It's just, oh, mate. And this is the thing. It, it, it's it's funny because it, 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 you know, it made me think, bloody hell, like, that's Evander Holyfield at 59. And I know fucking taxi drivers in Newcastle who still think they can fight at 59. I'm like, mate, you seen Evander Holyfield? You need to shut the fuck up. Like, it's, it's, it, fucking, it, it's, it's a reality just check. It's so scary. Yeah. It's so scary, but I'm, I'm worried about him, and I'm, he mm. needs saving for himself. He really does. He and that's what an athletic commission is there for. I, I feel like there needs to be. How do you commission that, mate? explain that someone just explain who on that commission looked at him and thought he's fit and able to fight because someone did mm. 
I bet you they got a paycheck. An envelope. Um, we've got MMA guys uh, trying it out as well. Yeah, you've got Anderson Silva getting in there. He beat Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Chavez Jr. He did, yes. Quite um, impressive, to be fair. Like uh, Anderson's always had good hands, mm. and he's very awkward to sell for the Spider Silva. Very awkward. I'm a huge MMA fan. I can go mm. as far back as bloody hell. The Tank Abbott days, meeting the Jesus, that days. is back. Obviously, there's the there's the there's the MMA wave from Liverpool happening mm. right now. Of course, uh, you had Darren Tillman main event, Paddy the Body Pimler. Obviously, we, we've had him on the show. Um, real standout character as in um, mm. there was Molly as well no uh, did you see Darren Till's last fight uh, I haven't seen all of it I've seen bits of it and clips of it uh, I've seen Paddy's fight I've seen Mal's I've seen, I've seen most bits of Darren's just an unfortunate night for him I think Darren's mm. always going to be one of them fighters who it's, his career is not going to be playing set. he's not just going to knock everyone he's going to have lost he's going to come back but mm. I do believe a defining fight is just going to get sprung on Darren and it, very similar to what happened with Michael Bisbing I just think it's going to be one of them fights where he gets sprung on him, everyone writes him off and he just comes in and he just chins someone and it's going to be a mad event. Whether it's for the title or not, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But he has so much ability, Darren Till. We've had many before Darren Till in this city. It's just that Darren's exploded and he's had the mouth to back it up. Yeah. Like we had a guy called Terry Etham. <clears throat> oh God, I remember him. Terry, he was so talented. So talented. Personal issues away from away from fighting, but what a brilliant fighter! I love you. I said went to junior school with him. I love mate. What fucks me off about family. Terry Etham, right? Is everyone remembers the he- uh, Edson Barboza head kick because it gets played on it, and people will remember yeah. that just from me saying it's a it. Highlight but, real knockout. But Terry Etham was such a good. He had good hands, good grappler. I always thought he was one of the most underrated UK MMA fighters we ever had. Actually, brilliant. mate, he was absolutely fantastic. We yeah. had Mark Scanlon. Uh, Scannell's a really good lad. We all love to see the best fight the best, but there's a reason why the best fight the best, because there's one man in control, and but that's the difference. This is the funny thing, though, is Dana White is really having problems now compared to what he used to. He used to be, like, you know, the dictator and all of that, but now I think because of this, there's so many competitors out there, fight promoters, you know, with, with and boxing is it's sort of... I think they with the stranglehold anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because there's Showtime and even Triller and all of these uh, brands in America, and then we've got a few over here now. I feel like it's seeping into the MMA world where fighters are complaining more and demanding more and standing up more. And obviously, you know, Connor was really on the verge of that, yeah. but it, it, he didn't quite break out of the stranglehold of the UFC. But he got probably as close as anyone will get for a long Amazing. time he, he, he falls in a boxing ring mate while he was still contracted to UFC there you go it all. and it shows you the power that he had to his hand but also remember when he's on that boxing stage who's the man standing next to him Dana White yeah yeah <laughs> who's getting paid as well um oh, but you, you've you've talked about McGregor for a long time I, I've, I've heard your um opinions on his career I really feel like we're at a pivotal moment for him um, how do you see the last couple of years of his career and then moving forward? What's it been like for you watching him? Uh, I'm always obviously a huge fan. Uh, you know, he's been fantastic what he's done for the sport. Don't get me wrong, it's not always been bright lights for him and he's been through some tough, dark moments, as I can imagine. Uh, the fight last time out, it was heartbreaking to see that just go like the way it did. Mm. Uh, he, he draws so close to the bone at times with the comments that come out of his mouth that you know, you're going to get a nasty backlash if it goes, you know, the, people are wanting him to trip up. 
listen, he does go too far with some things that he says. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. You can't start verbally abusing people's wives, mate. It's just, you can't, you can't do it. It's just, not it, not it's, while you're sitting on the floor after they've just chinned you, especially. Mate, it's, it's, <laughs> that's, it's def- too, that's the last time to talk about someone's yeah, wife. Mate, it's too far. <laughs> And then, and then also, I don't agree with talking about people's religions as well. You mm-hmm. know, he does, he draws close to the bone, as I've said. But, and you just look at his performances as a fighter and not what's coming out of his mouth. He's phenomenal, mate. His timing of punching is exceptional. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I said, that's with four hands gloves on. When he was, after he beats Aldo, that little reign, that period that he has until he gets to Diaz, he was phenomenal, mate. Mm-hmm. He was just on fire redefined UFC changed the game literally mm-hmm. single-handedly made the UFC bigger than it ever was the biggest fighter who's ever been in UFC history without a sh- no one even is close yet mm-hmm. he crossed over to a to a scale that no one can even imagine grandmothers knew he was grandmothers yeah. didn't even know what UFC was but they knew Conor McGregor was there was a man walking around in a Versace mink on a stage <laughs> against Floyd Mayweather and no one knew where he came from but yeah. they knew the name Conor McGregor yeah. so I've seen better talkers than Conor McGregor Chael Sonnen's the best talker I've ever seen in my life in boxing or in MMA I agree but he couldn't cross over so what is it about Conor McGregor that you think that made him cross over the way he did Having the Irish behind him definitely was a factor. But, you know, I can't sit here and say one ingredient because he had a lot of unique ingredients um, in the charisma, in the look, in the style. Saying, you know, you very rarely say a white guy strut around like that. (laughs) Like, he really believed his own hype, you know what I mean? I'll tell you what I think it is. Go for it. I think everyone caught on for this. There's a little bit of... Everyone in Conor McGregor, it's just that he lets it all out and everyone. Absolutely. We all like to think where the shit sometimes. Mate, whether you hate him, whether you love him, we all see a bit of ourselves in him at certain points and times in his career. Mm -hmm. And he's just a lad who's come from nothing and achieved everything that he set out to do. Do do you not think that... um, I think the the thing for me that disappoints me and makes it harder to stay a fan. Like, take Dustin Poirier, for example. Yeah. To me, you, you and Dustin Poirier are cut from the same cloth. Like, hard-working guys, tough as nails, and will put a, a fucking fist through anyone's face who yeah. who deserves it. But you're fair. You do you do your bit for the community. You're good, upstanding blokes. And after you have a scrap, you shake hands. Yes. For me, Connor shook his hand after the first fight. He got chinned. Yeah. End of story. Now, yeah, there was an injury after the second one, but I feel like Connor, he he t- he forced down. something out of him that wasn't really there anymore. Like I think when you're content with life, when you're when you're happy, staying motivated to be a fighter is a hard thing to do. So I, th- I feel like he 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 almost tried to villainize himself so he could get himself up for the fight because it wasn't in him anymore. That old thing, that hungry, I will not be denied, mm. and fair enough. Like talk some shit. But when you're on the floor and you've just been chinned and the man's wife's there and you're fucking saying this, that and the other and it was it, it, it was difficult. I, I get why he says it because he needs to stay relevant at that point because no one gives a shit if you've got an injury or not. They just mm. look at you as a loser. So by doing what he does, he stays relevant and people still care and ultimately people now want to see a third fight. And why do people want to see a third fight? Because he reacts the way he does. Okay, okay that's so that's the villain in him. If if he doesn't say anything after the fight and he just goes a loss to the better man, does anyone care about the third fight? I have never known a fighter get smashed a bit 
And then the next day, post a picture of himself on his social media, hands in the air, about to go into the cage, as if he won. I'm like, y- you know, the guy doesn't take L's l- lying down. Like, I'll, gi- I'll give him that. But, but, but also, there's just a line, isn't there? And I feel like for the good guys out there, the good hard- hardworking dudes who sort of identified with that, the kid who came from nothing at the start, it's important to it's not forget guy. that. Because we all we all seen us in you, just like we seen us in Tony Bellew, just like we seen us in Michael Bisping. Yeah. But when you become a complete bell end, which I think he has done lately, it's very hard for the working class lads to go and look up to him and go, "You're still our hero." Because we're not punching old men in pubs, and we're not slagging people's misses off, and we're not, mm. you know, you're, you're behaving like there's a there's a code of conduct where you're, when when you're a bit of a hard man and you've crossed the line. So, of course, I agree with John 100%. He's crossed yeah. it numerous occasions. But because of the following that he has and because of the background that he comes from, he kind of gets a pass. How often did the UFC let someone stay afloat when you're 4-1? Yeah. So that tells you all you need to know. He's still a massive commodity. He's still a huge name. And he's going to continue to get put out there as long as he generates the massive amounts of money that he does. Whether that's going to be against him again, I'm not yeah. so sure. Well, well, Poirier deserves some kind of shot, title shot. Yeah, well, Poirier's in for the title shot end of the year. Um, okay, so, you know, for McGregor to be on that kind of losing, I mean, he's got back-to-back losses against Poirier. To give him a title shot would seem insane, oh, especially coming off shot. of a leg break. But, you know, you've managed your own career before. If you were managing Conor McGregor's career now, he's yeah. coming back from this injury. The problem that you've got is he's got huge star power, so you mm-hmm. can't kind of put him in against... Uh, like you know when Tyson Fury like came back and had a few warm-ups or whatever the UFC don't do that so I kind of feel like if they don't do that they're going to just feed him to the the wolves and kill the cash cow one of two fights he's got Jorge Masvidal or Nate Diaz that's a good shout like one of two good fights there's nothing else that makes sense Dana White, make the make the fight. Tony Bell, you called it. I like. <laughs> I just think it's one of them too. I mean, the Masvidal fight is absolutely insane. It's carnage mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, but then you look at the Nate Diaz three. The, the second fight was so good. So I think that I should be his final it. fight. I, I I must admit, I think it would be quite poetic for those two to uh, have that as his final MMA fight, and then the, and then the I think he's only got he has the interesting thing, bro. With the leg injury, we've seen Anderson Silva had the same leg injury, goes into boxing, has a, has a sort of rebirth of some sort. McGregor's only got two fights left on his UFC contract, according to him, whether we believe that's another thing. You, guarantee, you can guarantee he'll, he'll be boxing. You can guarantee it. Mate, listen, those- he's, got chiller, he's got chiller written all over him. <laughs> or I wouldn't surprise me if Eddie's such a good businessman, he could, he could, he could do something with him. Yeah. Because yeah. he's such a he's such a good. Eddie man. would love that, wouldn't he? Uh, could you imagine it? It would just be nuts. Him and signs with the zone. <laughs> Jesus, that'll get the subscriptions up. Oh, listen! It, wherever that man goes, he's gonna get views. He's gonna do numbers. He's just such a huge personality and such a. I mean, he's he's nuts, but he's gonna be a big, massive marketing commodity mm. wherever he goes. All right, I, I know I've kept you a while, and you've been working hard all day. We haven't got that. I've got just a few little ones to finish on. Um, I tell everyone the nicest guy I've interviewed, Tony Bellew. <laughs> then they see you on SAS, and they're like, 
Oh, what that guy and I'm like I'm telling you he was he was lovely to me <laughs> and then you've got this uh, this uh, SAS fella shitting his puns because uh, Big Tony's staring him down I was worried for him uh, but <laughs> what was what what's that whole experience being like for you going on a TV show doing all that and and kind of outing yourself as having sort of post career blues and a lot of the other things that come with being a boxer I think it was two years ago now I don't know Mm. It's two years in October, so it's such a long time. But at the time that I'd done it, I was going through an awful lot of my life. Uh, I've been, as I say, I just wake up on a Sunday morning one day in November and I, and I don't punch people in the face for a living no more. Mm. So I'm retired from boxing. I've been doing it for 20 years. Uh, that stops. Uh, I'm very fortunate. I'm one of the 0.7% who gets out financially secure. But ultimately, my world's just stopped and ended. What am I supposed to do? I, I don't know. Yes, I've been quite clever in the in the property market and done things right, the right, correct way, and give me kids head starts in life. But I'm not doing what I felt like I was put on the air to do fight. So going through that and then jumping into that show after being off the TV for nearly a year was like, oh, okay. And the only reason I've done it, I'm not going to lie, is because I'm a huge admirer. I'd listened to Ant Middle's audiobook uh, on about 10 CDs, the first one was on. Uh, and yeah, I just admired them from afar. I admired Foxy, I admired Ollie, I admired Billy. All of them I admired from afar. I've always been intrigued by elite soldiers. I just look at them, they're elite killers, and I just, I just am intrigued by them. So I wanted to go on it and think. I didn't even think to myself what I was going through mentally at the time because I just thought, I'd just go on it and see. You know, what could it be bad? They're definitely <laughs> not going to break me physically. Nothing could ever break me like campus broke me before when you're in camps long camps especially with the arctic i was going to have to lose my brother i would climb myself to sleep in sheffield in the hotel on me jack nothing was ever going to break me physically when i look back i was so ready to explode mentally i was literally i would say in a, in a within the, the if i never had done that show at the time i'd done it i'd have killed someone in the next couple of months I just felt like I was at boiling point all the time in my mind because I was no longer venting the anger and frustration by going to the gym and punching every day or punching people in the face. And it was just building up and building up and building up. And it was getting worse and worse and worse. And then it was upon that show that I addressed the issues that was going on. Uh, so, yeah, so from grief to loss to trying to be there to trying to make everything. And, and the grief is it's my wife and me and a sister and a brother and a mother and father who really go through the bad grief the fact of what i went through was the fact that i can't do nothing to help her and that was the hardest part mm. I, I was lost i couldn't do anything mm -hmm. no matter what i tried my all i would ever want to do is try my best to make her happy mm -hmm. and to see her unhappy day in day out was just a, a heartbreaking moment mm -hmm. mate and it stayed with us for years it still goes on today absolutely so yeah that <clears throat> that that show helped me process it and do an awful lot of things, and Ant and, and the lads on the show were brilliant, don't get me wrong, yes I did want to belt him at one point, and he got to me by, he soon realised after three or four days, because I'd done nine days there, and in the nine days I probably slept 26, 27 hours in nine days, the longest I ever slept in one sitting was three hours, mm -hmm. uh, the longest I ever done, because uh, we put on security watches, I've never seen it back, I, I, I'm into, I stayed out of all the cast, I don't speak to, I speak to Lockie, the lad who won it, uh, and I speak to Ann Middleton quite oh. often as well. Uh, the other lads text me, the other staff text me and stuff. So, but 
I've never seen back, but I'm told it didn't show us doing the security watch. We got put on security watches every night. We had to watch the base, and every couple of hours we would swap man, swap man, swap man. It was just mate. It was a nightmare. Basically, on no food. The food was tr- dreadful. I'm dead. I'm a really fussy eater, believe it or not. You wouldn't think so, the fucking size of me. <laughs> but I, I am a fussy eater. So it was basically bread and soup right, for nine days with minimal sleep. And I just was at breaking point. And they identified the things that were pushing me and pushing me. Uh, and when they realised they couldn't break me physically, they started using other people to break me. And that's what gets to me. You can say whatever you want to me. You can do whatever you want to me. It'll bounce off me. I've got skin as thick as a rhino's ass. It will not affect me. <laughs> Nothing will get to me. But if you hurt someone else with me, that's going to kill me. That that will make me bare. So mm-hmm. when they stuck a 17 and a half stone man who was me on Nicky Sanderson's shoulders and made her carry me, that pissed me off. That's the closest I came to Beltman. And I'll be honest, I really wanted to. And the only thing that stopped me swinging for him was the fact that everyone out there was going, in my mind, he's going to belt him. He's going to belt him. So it was proving them wrong, kept you... That's Once again, that's exactly what's happened in my whole career, in my whole life. It's just proving people wrong. That's driven me through every step of my career, in my life, in all my decisions that I make. Proving people wrong has always been the biggest factor. If I mean, obviously, I've I've only been learning boxing a short time, but but the the thing that I'm grasping, not just talking to you, but all the fighters that I've met now, is each of them have a different motivating factor. But the the the, the point is, is to get up every morning and go and get punched in the face and punch other people in the face. You're not normal. You are different, yeah. and yes. all of you are drawing from something. Some fighters I talk to. They miss a, a parent who passed away. Some are some are dealing with unresolved issues from. But the the point is, is that stuff that you that's deep in the belly doesn't go away. So when your career finishes and the the tools that you've been using to deal with it aren't there anymore, yeah, it, it's a fucking nightmare. So I you know I, I get it, mate. And um, yeah, I, I remember how much that win meant to you to get to to. to obviously dedicated to your brother and it was a fucking hell of a moment and I was so proud of you so you oh, know thanks, um, mate. yeah one of the proud that night Pip one of the proudest moments of my life mm. being able to leave an empty seat there letting him see and yeah man it was it was, it was good, beautiful very, very tough. I've, yeah. I've lost people close to me and I, I can only imagine having we all wish we could have a big moment for that person that we love so much to dedicate it to them but most yeah. of us don't get that and for all you were very um you know it was so unfortunate what happened you were very lucky to get that moment and now i'm I'm proud of you for it honestly thank you very 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 much mate i'm grateful thank you well it's been a fantastic chat tony Uh, you know i love you a bit mate and uh, i'm looking forward to uh We'll get you. Um, I'd love to get you on one of our live shows. We we Defo, if, whenever, whenever you're not working, obviously, because you're a busy are, guy. Are you down south or are you up north now? I'm, I'm in London, mate. Um, at the, uh, we're filming in London, so um, okay. at some point it may even be to get you to watch one of those crazy YouTube boxing matches to see I'm what you think it, of lad. it. I am up for it, so I will definitely get it done. I'd love to, mate. No okay. problem at all. Well, thanks very much, mate. And uh, obviously, there's there's so many different things you're up to right now. You've got a book out. You've got your own design. You've got all sorts going on. I'll leave the links for everything Tony Bell related 
in the comments uh, in and, the description. And what I'm going to also ask you is something you didn't expect. I want you to come on my podcast because I want <laughs> you to talk about my podcast is about anger. Oh God, I've got plenty of that, mate. Don't so worry, lads, I got you. You will have some great stories, and you <laughs> oh, need to come over and up. talk to me on anger. Because <laughs> instead of you asking me, I want to ask you. Oh fuck the hell! You've got no <laughs> idea what you've just asked. You got yourself into there. I hope you've got a few oh, hours put aside because we're going to be. I'm, I'm up for the yeah, right. mate. I'll get in touch with you and give me a shout. But listen, in the meantime, thank you very much for having me, lad. You're a yeah. star. Take care, Tony Bellew on the Pain Game Podcast. <laughs>